On what God is looking for in you, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. God is not looking just for your abilities. He's looking for your availability. Or as one person said, and I quote, God doesn't always call the qualified into service, but God always qualifies those whom he calls. We're his workmanship, the Bible says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You God has a wonderful plan for your life, but how do you know what it is? You discover it by faith. Now, what does that entail? We'll find out on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We continue today in Hebrews chapter 11, known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. The chapter highlights those who venture out in faith in the sufficiency of the Lord. Here to help us learn more from their example is Pastor Ed. Notice, this is what chapter 11 is all about. There's a distinction of men and women of faith. And notice in verse 2, For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Circle that word testimony. It's the Greek word martyreo. Martyreo. And as you hear that word, you Bible students might immediately think of the English word that comes from this that we use a lot, the word martyr. And when we think of the word martyr, we think of a person that has given up their life for the sake of the gospel. Someone that literally was murdered and killed for the sake of the gospel. And that is the common definition of martyr. But do you know, by faith, we all become martyrs to one degree or another. Whether we end up losing our life for the gospel or not, we develop a testimony by our faith. For the elders, this is so cool, they developed a good testimony. Faith will lead you to a good testimony. All for them before Messiah ever came. Go to the end of chapter 11 real quick. For me, I have to turn the page. Go to verse 39. After the list is already mentioned, he mentions people by name and he mentions all kinds of other people not by name. He says in verse 39, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith didn't even receive the promise. They died before Messiah. They died before Messiah, God having provided something better for us. Our testimony by faith is even better because we have a personal, real relationship with the Savior of the world. In chapter 11, in all the commentaries I've read, all the Bible studies I've listened to on this topic, I haven't heard anyone refer to chapter 11 as the hall of failure. The hall of failure. There's a lot of failure in chapter 11. There's a lot of mistakes, sinful mistakes in chapter 11, whether we think of what happened in Abraham's life, whether we think about what Noah did. I mean, here's Noah, a man called righteous, but also a man after he gets out of the ark that decides to get drunk and do really wicked things. I think of Abraham, how he was deceitful. I think of Jacob. I mean, this is a hall of failure if that's what you choose to look at, but that's not what God chooses to look at. He chooses to look beyond our failures and he looks and values the faith in our lives. 
which to me, I want to be a part of something that God values. He values when I trust him. He values when, when everything looks the opposite of what he says, and I say, no, I trust God anyway. I trust him. I trust him that I think it should go a certain way, but God has a different way, and I will not give up on God because things don't go my way. How do you do that? By faith. <laughs> By faith. As we think of the song that we sing today, all my life, even dating back to the years where I lived in rebellion against God and I hated God and I mocked him and I made fun of him and I made fun of believers and I made fun of the Bible. I spent many years doing that. Even in those years, all my life, God has been good to me. That's a truth that can come out of all of our lips. He's been faithful and good and even that truth, how God's goodness is pursuing you. Some of you, God has been pursuing you for a long time. And you've been running, running, running. And you're so tired of running because you found out the more you run, the less progress you make. You're like on a treadmill, man. And the numbers just going higher, higher, higher. And you go, why aren't I making any progress? Because any type of running outside of Christ is always just running in place with nowhere to go. God has purpose for your life. And instead of taking note of their failure, God took note of their faith. And this is an important encouragement to us, not only because of the truth we learned last time, because like condemnation, you know, it's easy to condemn ourselves because we all have failure. It's easy to look back. Some of us don't have to look back very far where we have regrets and we think we should have done it this way, could have done it that way, and we choose to condemn ourselves instead of accept the forgiveness of God. We learned that in our study last time. But secondly, this is encouraging because we're reminded that God uses anybody, anybody, failure or not, no matter what background you have, no matter where you've come from, no matter what language you speak, what the color of your skin is, what country you were born in, it doesn't matter what part of Aurora you live in, what part of Denver, whether you live in a house, a condo, you sleep in your car, it doesn't matter. God loves you. And as a believer by faith, he wants to use you. That's how he measures it, by his work in your life, not yours. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We need this encouragement that chapter 11 is not a hall of failure, it's a hall of faith. And it's called that by many on purpose. And that's what I choose to call it. This is a hall of faith. Because faith, you'll see many, many times by faith, by faith, by faith. Even by faith, men and women got up after their failure. And you're here listening to me, you're listening on the radio right now, and your failure is what represents you. Well, by faith, by faith, you get up. Though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. And you trust God to use you no matter that you also obtain a testimony by faith. I mean, these are guys, men and women, boys and girls, just like you and me. No radio, though. No TV. No internet. No worldwide travel. No written Bible. Just regular people, imperfect, filled with fear and failure. And God took note of their faith and used them because God wants to use you. So to the church in Corinth in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, I'll draw your attention to verse 26. Paul's writing to the church then and he's writing to us now. He says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many, notice it doesn't say not any, it just says not many. That's an important distinction. Not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the, what does your Bible say? Foolish things. The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. 
And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, notice, so that no flesh, or basically he says so that nobody, there's not a person on the planet can glory in God's presence. Nobody can take credit for the things that God has done and will do in our lives. He says, not many. I find no greater description in the Bible of my life and what qualifies me to be in ministry than this text. Not many wise, not many noble, not many that are mighty, but rather God has chosen foolish things. You know, the natural man just thinks everything about God is foolish. That everything we're doing is foolish. That is foolish for us. That is foolish for me. You know, what the world values is not what the church values. And it's easy to write yourself off because, you know, well, I'm not very wise. I don't come from a long history, a good family. I don't, I don't have a lot of money in my family. I don't have a lot of political clout. I don't have, I don't have anything. I'm broken. All I have is nothing to offer to God. And God says, that's the kind of people I use. That's the type of people. Not many people that God uses are rich. Not many people that God uses are super smart. Not many people that God uses are mighty and have clout in society. He doesn't say not any. Some of you in this church, I have met some of the smartest people that I've met in my life. That you have just been given the amazing capacity for engineering and math and business. And some of you are just hyper smart. I'm not. But God uses us. Some of you I've met, you have some of the, you have a, a tremendous family line. Unlike mine, you have a tremendous family line that you can go back generation after generation of nobility and, and just great things that you can say over and over throughout all the history. I don't have that. You have that. I don't have that. And yet God still uses us. Some of you are incredibly, I have met some of the most incredibly wealthy people through the life of this church. I mean, seriously wealthy because of what God has blessed you with money. And, and God uses you. I'm not wealthy. God uses me. Together, we're the body of Christ. And what the world values, for example, just me and personally, from the way the world perspective, even the church perspective, someone that's standing behind this pulpit should be super well-educated in seminary. Now, let me just say, when it comes to education, I support this thought. Get as much education as you can, as fast as you can, and as a dad, as cheap as you can. <laughs> I love education. If my world wasn't started backwards, I probably would, would have been a professional student. Because I just happen to, don't get mad at me, but I just happen to be one of those guys where school was very easy. And it got me into a lot of trouble. But from the world's perspective, and even some of the church's perspective, I'm unqualified to stand behind this pulpit teaching the Bible because I don't have any education. Now, up until about three or four years ago, I literally had no degree. Now, some of you are really worried about that. Don't be. Don't be. Because God does things differently than man. And a seminary education is not necessary to teach the Bible. It's not necessary to open it, read it, say what it says, and let the Holy Spirit give instruction. It's not necessary. It's helpful, perhaps, but it's not necessary. And 17 years, 16 or 17 years into the life of this church, I was finally able to finish my two-year 
I don't remember what it says on the wall. I probably should have looked at it today, but it's packed in boxes right now. I have associates of Bible theology or something. I have something on my wall that now I'm a real pastor, sort of, kind of, at the AA level. I'm a junior, junior pastor, and I can continue to... And you're like, man, you've been teaching me the Bible? You haven't even been to seminary? Yes. Yes. And so can you. So can you. Why? Because not many wise, not many noble. Now my friend, John, my friend John is, my friend Nathan, they're very well educated. Masters, John just finished his masters. Nathan just got his doctorate. They're very well educated. But we get to co-labor in the ministry together. It's not many wise. God uses ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. He's the initiator. He does the work. He equips. You, you look at it and go, well, I'm not good enough, uh, and I can't, and I don't know enough. No, that's not true. You know exactly what God wants you to know where you are right now. What you're called to do may require this high level of education, and so you go after it. Great. But that's the calling of God in your life. Make sure that whatever you do in word or deed, you do as unto the Lord. So you're out driving a truck and delivering that box, you deliver it in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're working on molecular biology, fixing this, finding a cure for that, then you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're changing that dirty, dirty diaper. You change that diaper in the name of Jesus Christ. You just tell your kid, I'm changing this in the name of Jesus. You stinky bottom one. It's not many wise and not many noble, even though there's not any. It doesn't say not any. It just says not many. And collectively, the body of Christ. You know, for example, a person that's wealthy has a challenge in their life of faith. A challenge. Because a person that has a lot of money has a challenge with faith. And I'll tell you why. They will choose to trust in their money and what money can do instead of trusting in the Lord. That's why Jesus said it's super hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's super hard. But it's also super hard for a poor person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And it's super hard. No, no, it's not just super hard. It's impossible. Apart from a work of grace by God. So that our faith is in God and not in ourselves. And so as we're studying chapter 11 in the coming weeks, understand that faith is the key. God is not looking just for your abilities. He's looking for your availability. Or as one person said, and I quote, God doesn't always call the qualified into service, but God always qualifies those whom he calls. We're his workmanship, the Bible says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And biblical spiritual servanthood and surrender is ordained by God, by faith, as he initiates it in our life. One more thing. I read something that I understood in a fresh way for the first time in all the years I've been walking with Jesus. I've been studying and reading the Bible, studying the Bible for almost 29 years in February. And this is the first time I ever saw this. And I've got Hebrews all marked up, circled, highlighted. And this is the first time that I ever saw this. And I want to share it with you. You may have already know it, but it's so cool. For me, it was like a neat revelation. In verse 3, it says, By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made of things which were visible. 
And it's easy to get caught up in creation and the battle between creation and evolution here, which this definitely answers. But I don't want you to skip over the word. It says, by faith, we. Do you know how the hall of faith starts? With us. You're already in it. You're already in. You're the first one mentioned in the hall of faith in chapter 11, follower of Christ. Because of your faith in God's word, you're already there. We believe. Do you believe today? Yes or no? You're in. All the no's, you're not in yet. Yet. Yeah, this is significant because by faith we do understand. We do grasp. We do understand that God created something out of nothing. We don't understand this by facts. We don't understand this by figuring it out. We don't understand this by seeing it with our own eyes. We don't. Think about it. At creation, and when, when everything was created, were you there? I wasn't there. I wasn't at, the, at creation. So how do I know what happened? I wasn't there. I'll tell you how I know. God told me what happened. Because God was there. And he's the best qualified to tell us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God was there, and he tells us what happened. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. He tells us exactly what happened. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So I know what happened at, at creation because by faith, I believe God's word. And he said he created everything. He was there. I wasn't there. So I believe this not because I was there, not because I figured it out, not because I studied it, not because I'm super smart. I believe it and I know what happened because I believe that what God said because he told me what happened. And that's the unfolding of all of the Bible. It's that simple. We make things so much more complicated than they are. We want to get into all the evidence and fight. And, and I will, in the coming weeks on our studies, we're going to go through two studies in the next couple weeks the first one will be on why you can trust the Bible in the context of Hebrews. And then the second one will be a secondary study on why you can trust the Bible. Because it's at this point that when you're sharing the gospel, someone will accuse you of circular reasoning. And they'll say, well, what happened in the beginning? Well, I believe God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. Well, why do you believe that? Because the Bible says it. And you go, why do you believe the Bible? Because God said that the Bible says it. So it and they'll just say, well, that's just circular reasoning. I'm like, no, no, you need to stop. I'm going to teach you and I'm going to train you how to stop that nonsense in its tracks and reveal to the person that may need a little bit more evidence to say, no, no, no. The Bible that I have in my hand that's translated into English accurately represents the autographs that God inspired through the various authors over the years. And I'm going to spend some time in the next few weeks helping you deal with that accusation of circular reasoning because it's not circular reasoning. God interrupted your life and revealed himself to you. It's not a circle. It's a straight line. It's from God's heart to your heart. And you respond not by in a circle, but you respond by coming right back to him. And the relationship is A to B, and that's it. You come, God's come to you, and you surrender to God. And so we learn in verse 3 that the worlds were framed by God. We learn that because he told us. He told us how he did it. You know, we live in two different worlds. We live in the physical and the spiritual. Right now, we live in two different worlds, even in the natural realm. 
In the natural realm, you have everything that you can see right now. You can see the chair, you can see the pulpit, you can see your hand if you want. You have things that you can see, but also in this room is a lot of things you cannot see that are just as real as your own hand. For example, in the room right now, there is all sorts of music flowing through this room right now. There's some jazz music over here that's bouncing off the walls. There's Christmas music going through. There's music that's honoring Jesus Christ. And for the music that I'm about to mention right now, I'm going to put my fingers in my ear. There's even country music in this room right now. As much as we've tried to stop it, it's in here right now, bouncing off the walls. And you go, what are you talking about? Well, there's an unseen world in this room right now that if I was to take a radio, a transistor radio with batteries in it, and tune the dial, we would pick up on every invisible, depending on what dial it is, what number it might be, you would be able to pick up what's bouncing off the walls right, but you don't see it. You can't see it anywhere. God is radically transforming your life right now, but you can't see it. You're sitting here listening to a Bible study. You can't see it. Now, when you look back a little bit, you can see the effects of the work of God, but you can't see God working in you. You can't see it. But for those of us, our lives have been transformed. We believe it. (laughs) And for those of us, our lives have been transformed. We believe it more for you than perhaps you believe it for yourself today, that God can really turn your life around by faith. So we live in the physical realm. I mean, I think of, I think of you know, energy. Energy is invisible. Atoms, molecules, gases, they're all invisible to the naked eye. Until you mix them together, they become visible. Or until you have a microscope, you know, and you, you have just the right microscope, and it magnifies that which is invisible to the naked eye. Well, think of it. When you think of a microscope, think of faith being the microscope to see what God is doing in the world today where God magnifies his work on the earth, that it's not visible to the naked eye, but we see the results of it everywhere. And expect God to build your faith through these men and women that's mentioned. Expect God to add to your faith. Expect God to refine you as you begin to understand the work of God in your life and you begin to see your responsibility, not only toward God, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but to love your neighbor as yourself, to see the love of God overflow in your life. Pastor Ed Taylor on what God will do with those who look to him with the eyes of faith. This is Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Would you share a bit about how you're personally encouraged when you read an email from a listener? Well, you know, Larry, I love receiving notes from people that the Lord is working in their lives, especially through the radio ministry. I love reading about uh, how God has used a Bible study, how God has used, you know, the little ministry here that through the teaching of God's Word would bring about such great, amazing work. So I read them all, and I respond to my email, and I'm grateful to have that relationship via email through communication. Sometimes, you know, the, the answers might require a little bit more time, and I might ask a pastor here on staff to help me. But for the most part, I answer all my emails, uh, and I read them all. They come directly to me, and it's just encouraging. Uh, it's encouraging to be encouraged and to hear how God is using the ministry here, because it gets hard sometimes. You know, it gets difficult. It, it, it's like you're like, you're wondering if you're making a difference. And right at the right time, the Lord says he, he allows someone to be touched 
and to send a note. And then we're reminded, oh, yes, the Lord is using us and we're grateful to be used. So thanks for sending them in. Thanks, Pastor Ed. Have you been blessed by this ministry? If so, we want to hear about it. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. If you joined us late or would just like to hear the message again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed is through the app. It's free. Just search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor. And we're also on Apple Podcasts. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners, just like you. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, be sure to request The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. You'll observe Jesus as the ultimate servant and discover how to become great in the kingdom of God through servanthood. Call 877-30-GRACE. And don't forget to request the Jesus style. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of Hebrews. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.